What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Since we last spoke, the NBA season has resumed and the Blazers season has concluded. We're going to talk about the end of the Blazers season, what's next for Portland in uncertain times, unprecedented uncertain times. But following that Game 5 loss that came after the a two-day work stoppage after players chose to strike due to racial ongoing racial injustice in this country, the Blazers came back and lost to the Lakers in Game 5. We'll get there in the second segment, but following that game, following the resumption of play by the league, Carmelo Anthony sat in front of, well, a television screen and spoke to reporters telling them emphatically that he hoped to be back in Portland. Whenever next season should resume, Carmelo hopes to do so wearing a Trailblazers uniform. Let's hear more from him now. I, I, I pray that I could, it, it, it could be Portland. Uh, honestly, you know, think that I found a home in Portland. Uh, you know, I got comfortable with the organization. Uh, I got comfortable with the guys on the team. They got comfortable with me. Uh, and, and at this point in, in, in my career, um, I, I, I do think that that's the best fit for me, the best situation, especially having this experience now and, 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 and kind of just getting my feet wet and just coming in and just being who I am and staying true to myself. <clears throat> I really hope that it can be, you know, Portland at, at the end of the day where, uh, you know, we, we give ourselves a chance to keep this team together, you know, get guys healthy uh, and, and, and get another run at it. Back in January, before the season ended, Carmelo Anthony told Kerry Eggers of the Portland Tribune that he wanted to retire in Portland. And I did a whole episode about it. It was a significant thing then. I'm not trying to spin this quote as wholly new. In fact, to some extent, Carmelo Anthony has been telling this to reporters since he got here. But there is, to me, a very big difference in saying in December, I love the fit here, and late January, I want to retire here. That is the type of sort of mid-season quote you give to a reporter because even if it doesn't work out that way, your intentions can't be misconstrued. I want to retire here. It didn't work out. I ended up retiring with the Knicks. I ended up retiring with the Lakers, whatever it was. But saying this to the audience that he knew he was saying it to, a national TV audience following a TNT broadcast, following a playoff game against LeBron James and the Lakers. Melo isn't confused about what he's doing. The man's done a lot of media and he's pretty savvy at it. He knew what this commitment meant. This is openly recruiting the Blazers to bring me back in a way that I find more significant than what he said back on January 28th or whatever it was. Melo's saying he found a home in Portland is significant because I think even I assume that he might move on because his salary would be low enough that he would probably choose, you know, location and role and championship proximity and all those things would factor in more than money. The Blazers don't have necessarily a financial advantage over other teams, but again, I don't think that's going to be the big factor. What the factor might be is comfort. And what I found a home here in Portland really says to me is that Carmelo Anthony truly values this comfort. It's one thing to say these things in December and January. It is another thing to say it at the end of the postseason run. And in some ways, 
it really softened the blow of the Blazers' season ending the way it did, with Damian Lillard already out of the bubble and a loss to the Lakers where the best team in the West kind of flexed their muscle over the final seven minutes and showed Portland that particularly shorthanded, you're not close to this level of team. Carmelo Anthony came out and said, I love this team, I love this organization, and I want to continue to be a part of it. He brushed off a question over whether he would consider retirement this offseason, and then he launched into that, a question asked by Jason Quick about sort of what would go into his decision-making about finding a new team, and Carmelo Anthony didn't say, well, he didn't lean on cliches. He said specifically, I pray that it's Portland. That's, that is a ringing endorsement. Towards the end of the media session, Carmelo's final of the 2019-2020 regular season, or postseason, excuse me, Quick asked him to elaborate on, after emphatically saying, I want to stay in Portland, why he feels that way. I'll play that for you now. I think you guys saw it, but why this is a good fit for me. Uh, whenever you find a situation that's, that's comfortable, um, and, and, and allow you to be who you are. Uh, you you, you want to stay in that situation, and there's no need to try different things when something is working. So, um, I've, I've, it's, it's something that I haven't thought about. Um, actually, even now, it's something I don't. I, I, don't, I haven't even. Th- I'm not even thinking about that. Um, when it happens, it happens. If it happens, it, 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 it happens. But it's something that. I consider myself already coming back, so it's not even something I've, I've, I've thought about. That's right. Carmelo Anthony hasn't even considered other options, envisions himself back on your Portland Trailblazers next season. A perfect fit. Why mess with it? It's a perfect fit for a couple different reasons. One, the Blazers don't have many dudes who can play power forward. In fact, on the year for the most of the season, the list of people who could play power forward in the NBA was Carmelo Anthony. To be fair, that list could have been expanded at one point to include Anthony Tolliver and at one point to sort of include Trevor Ariza, and I guess all that time include Nazir Little. But for the most part, who was an NBA-caliber starting power forward on the Blazers roster was one man whose name was Carmelo Anthony. So it was a perfect fit because there was a need for him. There was also a perfect fit because they just carved out that role for him. I don't think they intentionally had no power forwards on the roster. I don't think that's how Neil Olshay envisioned it going down. In fact, I think he thought Zach Collins and Anthony Tolliver were real solutions to that problem. Mario Hazonia, a real solution to that problem. That's not how it played out. But Anthony here had a big minute role as a starter. I think two things that he prioritized and part of the reason why he was maybe out of the league for 10 months and not a shorter period of time because he wanted a real role and a starting role on a good team or at least a competitive team. And I also think another reason it worked out here is because the Blazers let Mello be Mello. They gave him isolation post touches they let him go to work in the mid post they would just you would see he would get the ball on the wing and Damian Lillard would just kind of say go go ahead go do it I'll let you go do it he doesn't do that with everyone else he'll clap and say give me the ball back set a screen for me let's go but they let Mello be Mello and he rewarded them with some really clutch plays in the bubble to get them to the playoffs and there's value in that the Blazers have seen their seasons end in the past precisely because people couldn't do what Melo did. Teams forwards on the Blazers roster, Alfred Camino, Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, could not punish teams for paying too much attention to Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or the central action on the floor. And when the ball swung to an open shooter on the weak side, they couldn't cash in. Against Houston, against Memphis, 
against Brooklyn. Melo cashed in. Melo made big clutch shots in big moments. Even that game one against the Lakers, he had a big bucket down the stretch to keep them ahead in that game. There's real value there. Carmelo Anthony is also 36 years old. He's a defensive liability, and even if he gave a valiant effort guarding LeBron James, I encourage you to look back at LeBron James's box scores before you praise Carmelo Anthony's individual defense. He has real issues on that end. He's not much of a passer. He is a fun rebounder, but not a particularly good one, and didn't really morph the Blazers into being a good rebounding team. But he is someone who can go score, and someone who players in the locker room very, very much look up to. I cannot emphasize that enough. The The amount of respect that he his just aura has demanded and commanded in the Blazers locker room is something that I have not experienced in my six seasons being in that very locker room. And on a personal note, I've said this before, I really like Carmelo Anthony. Not the basketball player, which I enjoyed, but the the person. He just as like a, in a professional relationship, which my relationship with these guys is often very transactional. He looks you in the eye. He listens to your question. He answers it sincerely and thoughtfully. If he doesn't like a question, he won't blow you off. He'll just say, no, I, I don't agree with the premise and here's why. So I want Carmelo Anthony back because I enjoyed interviewing him. I enjoyed his voice. I enjoyed his perspective. He let Dame lead while also providing leadership, the type of like real leadership that maybe he wasn't credited for having in the past. Damian Lillard would lean on Carmelo Anthony. How do I do this? How do I be the franchise guy? But Carmelo Anthony never tried to drown out Damian Lillard's voice. At age 36, 37 next season, Carmelo Anthony is going to have weaknesses, but he's also going to provide, you would assume, a st- still a level of offensive production that helps the Blazers on some nights, a level of individual offense they need, a level of floor spacing that can be valuable in big moments because he's not afraid. He plans to be back. He's found a home and hasn't envisioned himself being in another home. The season ended in a disappointing fashion, perhaps, for you, but for me, this is a silver lining. This is a reason to be thankful, to be happy about what this season brought. Carmelo Anthony was part of a long, strange season, and he wants to continue for another chapter. What I want to do in the second segment is just a quick look back on the season. We owe it at the end of the year at this time to look back on what happened, the year that was in 2019, a a truly unique season. And that's what we'll do in the second segment. All right, so we talked Carmelo Anthony. Your boy wants to come back to Portland. He's found a home here. He'd like to continue being part of the organization. I didn't mention this in the first segment, but quickly let me get there before we shift gears too much. It is very significant that a Hall of Fame level player of his caliber, A, signed with the Portland Trailblazers, and B, would choose them over changing teams to a big market or a team with a larger share of championship equity. It is a big deal. Sure, it's late career Carmelo Anthony, but I don't think there's ever been a more famous person to wear a Blazers jersey. And it is a real, it speaks very well of the Blazers franchise and how they treat people and how Dame treats people and all those things that someone of his caliber would say, I'm glad they gave me a chance. I want to come back and I wouldn't consider other options. This is the my number one choice. We'll see how it all plays out, but that is a, a very 
that could be a valuable endorsement for the Blazers, a team that traditionally does not compete for free agents. This, I don't think this changes them in terms of top, top tier free agents, but to have someone of Melo's caliber to say, this is a place that treats you well, that is meaningful to me the way I see it. Okay, shifting gears. I gave you another extra bonus minute on Mellow because I'm excited about it. But what I wanted to do with this second segment is just give you, for lack of a better term, a requiem for a season. This was the Trailblazers' 50th in their franchise history and, for my money, the most peculiar in team history. It lasted 311 days from October 23rd of 2019 until August 29th, 2020. It's ten and a half months. It's a long time. And during that ten and a half months, the Blazers navigated a whole bunch of injuries. The addition of the Hall of Famer we talked about in that first segment, a four-month hiatus during a global pandemic, the reintroduction of their star center after a 16-month break, a brief strike to protest racial injustice, and then a scramble to make the postseason inside a sanitized bubble environment created by the NBA. That's a lot of stuff. I don't think this is the space or the time for me to run sort of like a month-by-month, game-by-game breakdown. We got a lot of off-season ahead. We can do a lot of looking back to look forward. Instead, I kind of just want to talk about how we should view this year. And let me start by saying this. The bubble run, the run at Disney, was undeniably fun. The Blazers were jumbled up with four teams, three and a half games back of eighth when the restart began. They went six and two to chase down the Memphis Grizzlies, claim the eighth spot, beat Memphis in a thrilling play-in game, beat the Lakers in game one of the NBA Finals, and then they switched hotels and lost four straight games. And what I'm saying is blame the change to the Grand Floridian Resort from the Yacht Club. That's why the Blazers' season went south. But before they changed hotels and before Damian Lillard strained his knee and left the bubble, that's another thing that's happened since we last spoke, is that Damian Lillard left. Uh, he wasn't going to be available in the in future games of the team. They didn't they didn't give a timeline on it, but it became clear that he he needed enough recovery time that there wasn't going to be space for him to come back. And they were such long shots to beat the Lakers three straight times without him that the team just sent him home. But before Lillard was home and before Zach Collins was headed for surgery on his foot and or excuse me ankle before the injuries resurfaced before the Blazers had nine players against nine healthy bodies against the Lakers in game five though that run was incredibly fun undeniable Dame showing you how special he is game one against in in the restart against Memphis was a thriller that went to overtime the late that game against Dallas, where where Dame dragged them back, was incredibly fun. The game against Brooklyn was an absolute thriller to keep the playoff hopes alive. The play-in game was was as as entertaining a basketball game as they maybe played all year. And Game One against the Lakers was a culmination of them of this whole of the whole run of that whole of that whole nine-game stretch plus. A, plus an extra one to get themselves in the position they wanted to be in. They were kind of up against it coming into the restart and they they powered through to get them there. Undeniably fun. However, the rest of the season probably couldn't be put in that box. I don't think the season prior to the hiatus in March was undeniably fun. I would say that it was more more frustrating 
if you're putting it in a box. And if you are someone who views like basketball success as how close do we get to winning a championship, I think that view is stupid in team sports and particularly in NBA basketball, but plenty of people hold that belief and I I guess I accept that it exists even if I think it's stupid. But then this season was pro- then this year was probably a lost season. I think that, or a wasted season or something to that effect. I think you you can view it as that if you view it as how close do we get to the championship? Damian Lillard turned 30, you lost in the first round of the playoffs, pretty much dominated by what a championship contender looks like, a reminder of maybe how far this team is still away. Then you can view the season as not a success. And for me, I put it somewhere in the middle. I don't think this was like undeniably fun. I think it would be foolish to call it that. I don't think this was this giant waste of time or something like that. But I do see this as a season that won't go down as a success and a season that seems like a step back from where they were before. The Blazers are worse right now. Their roster is worse right now than they were when the season ended last year. The roster is not as good. Now, they have some steps to make it better. There's some belief that Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. and Zach Collins and Nizir Little will grow into better players. Yusuf Nurkic is someone who can get better, without a doubt. But I have trouble. I just, this season was so strange and had so many twists and turns and so many unfortunate injuries. The, the Rodney Hood injury, the Zach Collins on the, getting hurt on the third night of the year and then coming back and having this... Uh, Ankle injury, headed for surgery again, playing just 11 games all year. I think that's frustrating and troubling. So I don't really know where to put it. I think I think it's easy to have a successful season and not win a championship. I think it's easy to have a successful season and lose in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not sure the Blazers did either of those things. If this team had had a better regular season and was in one of those middle playoff matchups, OKC Houston or Denver, Utah, plugged the Blazers into literally any of those teams, they would have a really good chance of making the second round of the playoffs, even as currently constructed, assuming Dame is healthy. That's obviously the assumption there. But they're not that. They didn't have a good enough regular season to put themselves in that position. And by the time they made it to Orlando when they kind of got rolling, they were out of range of making that type of push. They were going to go up against the best team in the West. That was going to be the reward for all their hard work. So while I view that as, I view them as being better than what their record suggested and what their, how their season ended, you kind of are what you are. And this was a team that couldn't put themselves in position to be more of a threat when they got healthy and had to settle for being an eighth seed. So how do you view this season? Obviously, it's always in the eyes of the beholder. But to me, I view it as a a lateral step. A frustrating year where the Blazers didn't get appreciably better, but didn't get appreciably worse. They just kicked the can down the road. And maybe that bothers you, and that's okay with me. That seems like a normal thing to get frustrated about. But I can't say this was a roundly bad season or a roundly good one. This was just a year that happened under incredibly strange circumstances. The Blazers had a rash of injuries that totally threw off a poorly conceived roster. All of those things together put them where they were. Disney was fun, and that's probably how I would suggest you remember it. Remember the games at Disney World. But when you look back as a whole, you might be a little bit disappointed in the way this shook out. And that's okay with me. I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. What I want to do to close out this show is ask a question that I don't know the answer to. What's next for this team and this league and this sport? 
That's what we'll try to hash out in the third segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. You know Built Bar? It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's delicious and it's good for you. It comes in 18 amazing flavors. Every one of those bars is covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. It's got a great texture. If you've tried other protein bars, you know they can be chalky and dry. That's not what Built Bar is. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes great. That's their trick, is they're making something delicious. But in addition addition to making something delicious, they're also making something that's great for the health conscious among us. And that's because their bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Take, for instance, the Cherry Barcia, one of their six new flavors. When you grab yourself a Cherry Barcia, you're getting 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and a damn delicious bar. Sounds like a pretty good deal. You can get your hands on one of these by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. In the first segment, we talked about Carmelo Anthony. He wants to be back. He's found a home here in Portland. It's the best news that came out of the Blazers' Game 5 loss to the Lakers. In the second segment, we try to look back at the season and figure out where, how do we view it? Is this a frustrating failure? Is this, was this an entertaining gift and that's all the Blazers owe us? Or something else altogether? What I want to do to close out the show now is just try to answer the question, what's next? The Blazers were in Game 5 until about the 7-minute mark. Gary Trent Jr. hit a 3-pointer to tie the game up, and then Anthony Davis went off. He scored 12 of the next 14 points, and the only bucket he didn't score, he set up. Not He didn't get the assist on the play, but his pass and his activity set up the bucket by Dwight Howard. He was dominant. And the Lakers had basically just toyed with the Blazers for those first 41 minutes and then decided to slam the door shut emphatically down the stretch. And eventually, the Blazers, who played that game with just nine healthy bodies, waved the white flag with a minute and 56 seconds left and a dead ball. Nurk, Mello, CJ McCollum all checked out of the game. And sometimes when seasons end, it becomes clear what's, what is next for the Blazers. And I think in some ways it's clear for them now. Their needs are obvious. They need... Guys who can play three and the four who are versatile defenders and can rebound. Simple as that. But what I was struck by as the game ended and as I did post-game interviews via Zoom is there's just so much tremendous uncertainty that came with the end of this Blazers season. So this is a space, I guess, this is the segment where I'm supposed to speculate about the future of the team or the sport or the universe or the world and what I was struck by and what I'm struck by now trying to put this, trying to get my thoughts to you and trying to get my thoughts organized preparing for this segment is I don't know what's next. And I don't mean that in some sort of woe is me, the universe is uncertain. Yeah, the world is on fire. I get it. Outside of this podcast, a lot of bad stuff is happening. And for the most part, dear listener, I've protected you from wallowing in that bad stuff, from having to contemplate how that bad stuff impacts the sport and the team you love. 
So I'm going to continue to protect you for the most part, but I want to say this. I don't know what's next for the Blazers because no one knows what's next for basketball. We don't know when the season is going to start. It could start as planned at the end of December, although that seems incredibly unlikely. There's reporting that it could start on Christmas Day. There's also reporting that it could start in January or March. There's also a report that it could be a stop and start situation where we play games in January and then take a break, like an extended spring break for old basketball, and then come back at it. To some extent, it's uncertain how many games will be played. Will they condense 82 games into a shortened schedule, try to get back on track for the Olympics next summer, or will they shorten the season to 66 games, you know, whatever it is, and and just try to make it fit into the regular schedule and reset for the 21-22 season? Will fans be in the stadium? Will I be in the stadium? Will I ever do an interview in the locker room ever again? A place that I feel like I got my best stories and was able to tell you my best anecdotes for this podcast. Will I ever walk into an NBA locker room and be able to tell a story by chit-chatting? And because of all these uncertainties, what will the financial implications be for the league? What will the salary cap look like for the Blazers? How much money will they have to spend? And how will maybe that lack of money affect the decision-making of free agents or people like Hassan Whiteside entering free agency? How will it affect someone like Mario Hazonia with a player option? Is he guaranteed to pick that up? Or could he go somewhere else, say like Spain, and make a whole bunch more money? Is Carmelo Anthony going to have a frothy, aggressive market trying to buy his services at age 36? Or are the Blazers going to be bidding a minimum contract for a guy who already wants to come back? And after they do shore up those contracts, it looks like they've probably got maybe 12 guys in the boat already for next season. What will be left over for them to improve a team that desperately needs improving? In past seasons, I was able to say $11.5 million in cap room. Two open roster spots, one draft pick. Here's when it starts. Here's when we'll know. July 15th, we'll have a new team. We don't know. I think we know the simple solutions and the simple answers. Here's how the Blazers can get better. Here's who's likely to be back. Everybody, except for Hassan Whiteside. Here's when they'll start their pre-draft process, and here's when they'll do all these things. Game 5 left me with a really profound sense of uncertainty, a profound sense of like, okay, this long winding 10 month season has come to an end and who knows when it will come back. And that's why I led with the Carmelo Anthony stuff because I don't know any of the, any of the answers to the questions I just proposed to you. I don't know them. I don't think necessarily anyone really knows them. Even in the people in the league office who are making the, the decisions, there are so many things out of their control in the world right now that they, they don't really know. But I think I find comfort in knowing that Carmelo Anthony plans to be back. I think I find comfort in knowing that CJ McCollum and his fractured back aren't going to need surgery. He says he's going to take eight weeks off and rest. I think I find comfort in knowing that Damian Lillard was out of the bubble and spending time with his son and not a surgeon when he left Disney World, who's being a dad and not a patient. So if you are like me and you are finding this profound sense of uncertainty around the world and around your favorite basketball team, think about Carmelo Anthony. He hasn't considered the future where he isn't a trailblazer. And let's not yet consider a future where there isn't basketball or it's so strange. It'll be back soon. There is comfort in knowing that you want to return to something. 
And that's why I think Carmelo's message at the beginning of the show should be the thing we leave with. Don't consider the unknown. Find comfort in the thing you already appreciate. Try to do that every day and something else. Not just hoops, but the whole world. That's my sagely advice to close the show. I so rarely hit you with the sagely advice, but Carmelo Anthony has me inspired. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.